What would you do if you discovered that your neighborhood was full of child abusers? Well, it's no doubt that as parents, we do everything we could to stand strong, to to stop the abuse, to teach our kids to fight back against it, and to get as far away from it as possible. Well, before we continue, let's remember that abuse comes in many forms. There's sexual abuse, physical abuse, and emotional abuse, of course. But, But what about this? Secularism, depravity, immorality, and apathy, these are all around us. And moral relativism says that it's okay. Just because it isn't right for you doesn't mean it's wrong for someone else. Christians who say otherwise are hit with a barrage of hate and intolerance. Unfortunately, we the parents have in many ways taken the guardrails down rather than standing strong and teaching our kids to do likewise. Is it any wonder then that so many kids lose their faith by the time they're in college? After all, we're the closest representatives of Christ our kids have. And if we don't stand strong, how can they? Let's talk about that today on Licensed to Parent. Welcome back to today's program, Licensed to Parent. I'm Rich Rosel, and joining me as always on the program is the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill Academy, Trace Embry. And if you're new to the program, Shepherd's Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program working with troubled teens and with their families. And Trace, one way we often describe License to Parent is providing insight for today's culture because simply growing up in America these days uh, can do devastating things to our kids and our families. And that's why you and your wife, Beth, founded Shepherd's Hill because Shepherd's Hill Academy really is a proving ground for everything we're going to be talking about today, isn't it? Oh, exactly. Uh, Shepherd's Hill is kind of like a microcosm uh, or a microculture, rather, uh, of its own. Uh, something that, that uh, child care and mental health professionals from Harvard and many other big institutions would define as an authoritative community. Yeah, at one time, virtually all of American society would have been called an authoritative community because, generally speaking, we adhered to a common moral standard, a common good, and a common God. We were a melting pot of nationalities with common ideas, faith, traditions, and, and, and worldviews. Our culture did something for our children, not to them. We were a nation that was founded and built on biblical values and the God that Scripture reveals. And that, and that whether you, you call yourself a Christian or not. And it's right here where things get very sticky for the folks who want to revise history and basically destroy our American culture. But it's also right here where too many American kids are getting a thorough brainwashing these days. Yes, America does have skeletons in her closet. What nation doesn't? As awful as our own people claim that we are, uh, apparently, they haven't noticed that millions of people are still uh, risking life and limb to get here in this awful nation by hook or by crook. And, and yeah, you know, America was guilty of human slavery, a practice that many otherwise decent nations have been guilty of in the past, too. And as many still are today, Rich. But it cost this nation over 600,000 lives to get it sorted out. Yet still, Americans of all races have been paying for that sin ever since. But I like what the the civil rights leader, Robert Woodson, said about America's checkered past. He said, America has always been a nation of redemption. No nation should ever be defined by the worst of what we once were. Right. You know, what a wise and powerful statement that is. Well, and I know that I personally, and I'm sure you would agree, would not want to be defined by the worst of what I once was or the worst things I've done. I, I hope that I've moved forward since then. Of course not. You know, but, but our kids are being force-fed a bunch of distortions and lies while being taught to hate the very nation that's given them the most freedom and the highest standard of living of any nation on the planet. I mean, meanwhile, the same people who are distorting, you know, our evil past are in total support, even promoting 
all the myriad other sins that are now corrupting today's kids with America's evil mm-hmm. present. I mean, we've been duped into believing that freedom was the freedom to do what you want rather than the freedom to do what you ought. Right. So illicit sex, drugs, entertainment, and a million other varieties of moral deprivation have all taken over where our old skeletons of slavery and bigotry left off. And by the way, Psalm 11.3 says, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? And then right after that, the next chapter, Psalm 12 says, the wicked freely strut about when what is vile is honored among men. Are we not right there today? I mean, it was bad enough when we got a regular diet of cultural trash piped into our homes with just TV and radio. But too many of today's parents have now naively helped bring our vile culture to the hip pockets of their kids 24-7. And this is uh, helping to exponentially destroy the spiritual foundations of not just their kids, but our entire country. And sadly, yes. I, I fear we're now answering to God for it as we watch the, the wicked freely strut about while being honored for it among men. Just watch the Grammy Awards or the MTV Awards or a whole host of others. Just look and listen to what's actually on your child's smartphone. Should you be naive enough to give them one? Right. You and I are not alone in this. Uh, in fact, I'm sure that today's guest, Ken Ham, would agree with you. Ken is, by the way, the CEO and founder of Answers in Genesis U.S., the high-tech creation museum and education center located in the Cincinnati, Ohio area, and the uh, visionary behind Ark Encounter. Uh, Ken is a biblical apologist, and his work addresses such topics as the reliability of the Bible, how compromise over biblical authority has undermined society, as we were just talking about. He's the author of a number of books based uh, on the book of Genesis, including Already Gone, The Lie, Evolution, and uh, a book that he wrote more recently called Gospel Reset, which was designed to help Christians evangelize more effectively in an increasingly secularized world. Most recently, though, he's written a book that we wanted to talk about today. It's called Will They Stand? And it addresses today's topic head on. Will our children be equipped to stand strong against cultural giants that previous generations, including ours, probably never imagined, at least not years ago? Or will our kids be overcome? It's a powerful message about the importance of raising strong believers who can stand in the face of a world that will challenge, disparage, and seek to eliminate their faith. And by the way, the book also helps prepare parents like us to equip the next generation to thrive in the face of cultural adversity and to emerge as what we want to find, and that's tomorrow's Christian leaders, Trace. Amen. Ken, welcome back to License of Parent, brother. Hey, thank you. It's great to be with you again. You know, just in the time since we last talked, it seems America has come apart at the seams and become an even more dangerous place to raise our kids. You asked the question right in the title of your book, Will They Stand? What do you mean by standing? Well, if you look at our culture today and everything that you described before, we could say there's a tornado of moral relativism that's ripping around this culture and it's dragging most of our kids from church homes away with it and capturing them. And, you know, how can we make sure our children are not to and tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and so on? What is happening out there? And, and what, what you've all described, there are really symptoms of 
the main problem, the one problem, the foundational problem. You talked about foundations there. And what we, what I, I try to do in this particular book is say, okay, we're losing generations of our kids. There's been a generational loss from the church. I mean, right now, if you look at Generation uh, Y, the millennials, and Generation Z, Generation Z, George Barnard described as the first truly post-Christian generation, twice as likely to be atheist as any previous generation, but only about 11% of them are going to church. Whereas if you go back to the greatest generation, those born before 1928, about 56% went to church. You know, I'm in the baby boomers group, about 32% of that group go to church. But as you look down through church attendance in America, the whole Western world actually, but uh, if you focus on America, there's been a generational loss from the church. And now we're seeing Generation Z as as post-Christian, and they've got this sort of philosophy that, you know, what, what, what do you believe depends upon, you know, how you feel. And, and so they don't, under, they don't understand a foundational concept of sin and that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and that the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And, you know, they, they will say, well, I feel if two men love each other, that should be okay uh, to get married or something. I feel if, you know, I, okay, I was born a male, but I feel I could be a woman. Or, and, and, you know, what's really happening is they don't understand we can't trust our feelings because we can't trust our sin nature. And, you know, sin is crouching at the door to, to overtake all of us, to try to master us. They should be judging what they believe against the absolute authority of the Word of God. And therein lies the issue. This, to me, is the foundational issue. You see, we have to ask ourselves, what has happened? And in 2 Corinthians 11.3, the Apostle Paul warns us that the devil's going to use the same method on us, which means on our kids, on anyone, as he did on Eve to get us to a position of not believing the things of God. What was the method he used on Eve? You go back to Genesis 3, verse 1. Did God really say to attack the Word of God, undermine the authority of the Word, and then you will be like God so you can be your own God? And then right there started a battle between you trust man's word or God's word. And we are prone to trust man's word. And I see a fault as lying at, at uh, the feet of parents in our homes and in our churches because so many of our churches and homes have not stood on the authority of God's word, prepared generations for the attacks of today, given them answers ready to defend the Christian faith, to know they can stand on the word of God. haven't taught them to have a truly biblical worldview starting from the Bible. And what's happened in a lot of even our Christian schools, and not all, but a lot of them is they sort of add God to secular thinking. 95% of kids from church homes go to public schools, Mm, and they have turned into churches of atheism. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the very next psalm I mentioned, 11 and 12, 13, the fool says in his heart there is no God. So we're really cultivating a, a generation, a society of of fools, I hate to say that, but you touched on uh, the, the next question I was going to ask you. What you know? What culpability does the church have in all this, and what can parents do to keep their churches accountable? Because what, what I, you know, when I go to different churches, it doesn't seem like they're they're giving information that adults or particularly kids can apply to the streets to real life situations. 
you're exactly right. And he, you know, I've got I get a bird's eye view of the church more than most people do. Um, and the reason for that is I've spoken in all fifty states. I've spoken in hundreds of churches, different denominations. I've spoken in hundreds and hundreds of churches all around the world, and I get to see the pattern. They know there's a problem. They know we're losing the culture. We're losing the coming generations. So they resort to focusing on music, particularly a praise team out the front that's performance oriented, and then so it's more entertainment oriented, yeah. and then they water down the teaching of the word and it becomes very shallow and, and sort of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of what they, what they speak on is from the Bible, within the Bible. I mean, mm-hmm. we need to be preparing our kids for the Genesis 3 attack of today. And here's what mm-hmm. I believe has happened. I believe the era we live in started in the 1800s when out of atheism came the belief that, oh, the fossil record had to be laid down millions of years before man. Then much of the church said, we'll take the millions of years and that means you've got all this death and disease in the fossil record millions of years before man. And we'll take that and put it in a gap between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, the gap theory, or we'll reinterpret the days of creation, the day-age theory. Along comes Darwin. A lot of our Christian leaders said, we'll say God used evolution, God used the Big Bang. And before long, right through the church, we're telling the younger generations, you don't need to believe Genesis. You can reinterpret it. You can take man's ideas, what you're taught at school about evolution and so on, reinterpret the Bible and think about it. Once you unlock that door, that you're not starting with God's word to judge man's word, you're starting with man's word to reinterpret God's word, then why shouldn't you take man's views of marriage and reinterpret the Bible, man's views of abortion and reinterpret the Bible, man's views of gender and reinterpret the Bible? And what has happened in the church is that we have raised up generations that have gone through an education system that's progressively become antagonistic to Christianity, very atheistic. They taught evolution as fact. They come to our churches and homes. They ask all these questions. How do we know there's a God? Can we trust the Bible? Science has shown you can't really trust the Bible. Many times I've been told, don't worry about that. Just trust in Jesus. We haven't prepared them for this world. We haven't given them a, a true worldview. They say, how can there be a loving God with all the death and suffering in the world? We told them that's been there for millions of years. That's okay. God used death and suffering for millions of years. They don't understand death as an enemy because of, of sin. It's an intrusion. We're looking at a fallen world, not the world as God made it. And so they've grown up generationally to think that we can reinterpret the Bible. The Bible's not the absolute authority. We've basically said you can believe what man believes, and now we've got a generation that no longer believe in the absolute authority of the Word of God. And for them, their morality, their worldview is anything goes. What's true for you um, might not be true for somebody else. It's all subjective, and we're losing them, and we wonder why. Yeah. Uh, as far as the, uh, the the Bible as being the final authority, you know, the Orthodox Church would say that, that the Bible properly interpreted uh, is the authority, because the gay church, if if that's if you want to call it that, uh, they're using your Bible and mine to interpret God's word to say that homosexuality is is an okay thing. So how do parents share with their kids uh, about the authority of the Bible? When some uh, parts of the church, particularly the LGBT community, are using our Bible to support their doctrine. Yeah, and that, that, that's a good question because even all the cults will, will use the same Bible too to try to 
justify uh, what they're saying. And, you know, one of the things that's really been missing, I believe, from a lot of our teaching is to understand that our worldview doesn't just come from uh, out of nowhere. You know, our worldview, don't just pull it out of the air. Our worldview has a foundation, and it's either God's Word or man's Word. And when it comes to God's Word, here's something that's been missing from much of the church and many of our homes. Genesis 1 to 11 is the geological, biological, astronomical, anthropological history that's foundational to the rest of the Bible. All of our doctrines are founded in Genesis. I mean, the gospel is founded in Genesis. In Genesis, you have the origin of sin, of death. Why did Jesus die on a cross? Genesis. Why is he called the last Adam? Genesis. Why do we have a seven-day week? Genesis. Why do we wear clothes? The origin of clothes is in Genesis. Genesis 3.21, when God made coats of skins for Adam and Eve, the first blood sacrifice uh, as a covering for their sin, pointing to the Messiah, but the origin of clothing. Um, and, And then you start to then analyze it even more. Where's the origin of gender? Well, Genesis, Genesis one twenty seven, God made male and female. Genesis five two, it says male and female. Matthew nineteen, when Jesus was asked about marriage, he refers back to that one Genesis one twenty seven that God made them male and female. What about marriage? Genesis two twenty four, when God took dust and made a man, took his side and made a woman, you become one because you're one flesh. Jesus attests to that in the New Testament. In other words, if we took the foundation for our doctrine, Genesis one to 11 and taught generations their worldview based upon God's word, they would understand from there that um, marriage is one man, one woman, uh, that gender is male and female. But then we also need to be uh, looking at uh, other aspects of things like science confirms two genders, the XY chromosomes for, for males, the XX chromosomes for women. And then we also need to be preparing them that because of sin, there can be mistakes and mutations and problems which cause all sorts of diseases and mm-hmm. cause or can cause problems in the sex chromosomes as well, which doesn't negate the created order. In other words, if we teach them foundationally from Genesis 1 to 11 to build their worldview and to build their doctrines, then they're not going to misinterpret other passages that people try to take out of context or say, you know, that this doesn't mean what it says and all the rest of it. I mean, we, we've got to teach them the foundation starting in Genesis 1 to 11. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Ken Ham. He's the CEO and founder of Answers in Genesis, the U.S. Uh, leg of that. You may have gathered that from uh, the conversation so far. He's also head of the Creation Museum and the visionary behind Ark Encounter. And we're talking about his book, Will They Stand?, published by Master Books. We'll continue with more when Licensed to Parent returns. Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis, is celebrating 20 years of ministry. There have been many distractions in our work through the years as a result of a four-lane highway that divided our land. As a result, plans are underway to develop a whole new campus designed to improve our students' therapeutic experience away from the highway noise, along with up-to-date infrastructure and staff offices, all to help smooth out the day-to-day operations. The five-year, two-phase plan will begin with a new dining hall, followed by two new school buildings, also containing a new studio for licensed to parent. Please consider partnering with us, building together a new and improved Shepherd's Hill Academy. Learn more and make your gift today. Shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. That's shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. And thanks for helping us provide healing to teens in crisis. 
Your children are teens now. They're growing up and gaining independence. That's kind of the point of parenting, isn't it? You're raising future responsible adults, but they're not responsible adults yet. They may be able to do things on their own, but you still want to be able to contact them and you want to equip them for success. So you decide to get them a smartphone. But why a smartphone? For most people, that means 24-7 access to everything on the planet. And that's not wise, nor is it healthy. Digital addiction is prevalent these days. In fact, we see teens of all ages dealing with mental health and behavioral issues rooted in overuse of technology. Issues that affect health, wellness, ability to focus, performance in academics, and more. That's why at Licensed to Parent, we want you to choose a wise phone alternative instead of a smartphone. More information is available at LicensedToParent.org slash wisephone. Welcome back. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program working with teens in crisis and by extension with their families. And what we're trying to do today is help families stand strong against the onslaught of today's culture. Our guest is Ken Ham. He's uh, the CEO and founder of Answers in Genesis U.S., but also the author of a new book called Will They Stand, published by Master Books. And Ken, right before the break, we were well, you were laying out very, very specifically the ways that all Scripture and all faith uh, needs to be uh, based on the foundation of the book of Genesis. One of the things that I've seen is a change in recent years within the church where, unlike Genesis, which I thought placed all the focus on God, you know, in the beginning, God, God created man. We were created for God. Everything pointed toward the majesty and the holiness and the glory of God. Yet in churches now, so much of, of our music, for example, now focuses on us. I mean, there's, you know, the reference to, to God, but, you know, God is our friend and we're this and I feel this way and all that. Um, is that a valid observation that, that perhaps our very worship has turned away from God and toward ourselves? Oh, very definitely. And you know what? I would say, let's look at Genesis 3 for a moment to see why that is so, right? So if you look at Genesis 3, 1 and Genesis 3, 5, Genesis 3, 1, the devil's temptation, did God really say? In other words, uh, to, to trust the word of man rather than the word of God. And, and Adam and Eve did that. And Adam uh, doubted God's word and that led to unbelief. And then... Genesis 3.5, you will be like God. So Genesis 3.1 and Genesis 3.5 sum up our sin nature. What's our sin nature? Because all have sinned and we're all sinners. Our nature is we are more likely to trust the word of man than the word of God. And we want to be our own God and focus on ourselves rather than on God who created us mm-hmm. and who sets the rules. And I see that today as as the church has in many ways compromised God's word beginning in Genesis in this era because most of our Christian leaders say you can believe in evolution, millions of years, doesn't matter, don't worry about Genesis, that's just a side issue, trust in Jesus. But once you get rid of that foundation, there's, there's two issues. One, Genesis 1 to 11 is a foundation for all doctrine, our whole worldview. But number two, once you have unlocked the door to say you don't need to believe this part of the Bible, you can start with man's word, then that unlocks 
unlocks the door to open it wider and wider and wider. And so what's happening is it, there's been, in, in effect, reinforcing what they've been taught in the public schools and through the media. You know, you trust man. You look to man. In fact, Scripture even talks about loving the praise of men rather than the praise of God. I see that with many of these theologians and others in our churches that compromise with evolution. They would rather have the praise of men than the praise of God. And as then the Bible has been undermined as the absolute authority, then as people get away from the Bible as the absolute authority, then then what becomes the absolute in people's life is what they believe, uh, and and that becomes uh, their absolutes, if you like, and and so. Uh, what we've seen, I've seen this change in the whole Western world. I've seen the change in in uh, art, for instance, as man gets away from believing there's a God who created all things and he designed everything. As as we get away uh, from believing in an absolute authority, you know, you end up with a splash on a page and it'll be entitled Woman with Cat or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. And, you know, this the same for morality. You know, as we get away from the basis of God's word, instead of what's right and what's wrong, it's whatever you decide for yourself. Mm. I see the same thing has happened to a degree in music, and that is we get away from uh, a God-centered approach, and if you judge what the mm. words are against Scripture, you'd be horrified uh, because may, a lot of times they're man-centered, and so it's become this focus on man, focus on self, but no understanding that, that we are sinful, no understanding that you can't trust your feelings, and that we need to start from God's Word as the foundation for all of our thinking, and I think that a lot of the modern uh, contemporary music, not all of it, of course, but I think there's a lot of it that, that has really helped raise these generations more to be entertained and focus on themselves. In fact, for a lot of the music in churches, it's performance-oriented. You look at them doing a performance. So right. you have the flashy lights and they dance across the stage and so on. And there is a place for performance. I mean, choir is a performance, but it becomes so centered on performance, you're not centering on God. And, and I think this has really caused many of our younger generation not to understand who God is and who they really are and what their problem is. Mm-hmm. Well, Ken, we, we live in a world of distractions. I, I think we're overly informed. I think that's very possible. You know, if our culture really is as, as toxic as we claim it to be, and I think it is, why do so many Christian parents give their kids 24-7 unencumbered access via these addictive adult toys we call smartphones? Why are we doing this? Well, you know, there's lots of things we can talk about here, but I think it really, you know, to me, the bottom line is this. Uh, the, the parents aren't carrying out their God-commanded roles in regard to raising their families. Most fathers are not the spiritual head of their family as God right. tells them to. You know, fathers to the children, show make no and thy truth. Fathers bring your children up in the nurture of an admonition of the Lord. Psalm 78, fathers teach your children, so they'll teach their children and teach their children. Mm-hmm. Most fathers haven't done that. They've advocated that responsibility. They let them be trained by the secularists in the public education system for a number of hours a day, send them to church once a week. They're on their phones the rest of the time these days or watching TV or whatever it is. We can't just throw them to the world to be salt out there But when you don't have salt. You know, Mark 9.50 says you've got to have salt. We've got to be putting in that salt of biblical truth, preparing them for the attacks on God's word today so that they can mature with that salt and and then be the salt of the earth. Instead, we basically handed them over to the world, to, to smartphone technology, to the TV or whatever, and I lay the blame at the foot of the parents for not doing that and the church for not challenging the parents to do that. 
Yeah. Our guest today on License to Parent is Ben Ken Ham. He is the CEO and the founder of Answers in Genesis U.S. and the Creation Museum and the man behind the Ark Encounter. In fact, he was telling us just before the program, he's sitting in his office looking out the window at the Ark. How many of us can say that we share a similar view anyway? But uh, the book we've been talking about is called Will They Stand? Published by Master Books. You can find it wherever you get your books. Ken Ham, thanks so much for being with us on License to Parent today. Hey, thank you. And a reminder, you can find us online at LicensedToParent.org. And please remember that the work we do here on Licensed to Parent is simply an extension of the work done every day inside the gates of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a year-long Christ-centered therapeutic residential program for teens in crisis, and it's our goal to export some of what we've learned so that you can be more intentional as a parent and, with God's help, Avoid the need for a residential program for one of your kids. Remember that you can help the work continue through your gift to License to Parent, a 501c3 nonprofit organization located in Martin, Georgia. If you'd like to find out more about the work we do here and become a part of the future of License to Parent in Shepherd's Hill Academy, simply click the Donate tab when you visit LicensedToParent.org. Thanks for your time today. Thanks for joining us on License to Parent. Our guest coordinator on the program is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you back again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.